Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, the name above every other name. We just thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you, that we are alive, that we had food on our table, clothes on our back, a roof above our heads. We just thank you, Father, we just thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you, Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the gift of life, the gift of mercy, Lord. Your mercy, we just thank you, thank you, Lord. This morning, once again, I come to the church into thy hands here, everywhere, Lord. Lord, that you would bless us, bless our hearing, bless our going out and coming in, bless the work of our hands, bless our children. For every perfect and good gift comes from you, Lord, the Father of lights, with whom there is no shadow of turning. Bless us this morning, Lord. Strengthen us, empower us. We commit this time into thy hands, O Lord, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So we are with Sardis, the fifth church. We go to Revelation 3, and we shall read from 1 to 6 once again. We shall finish with Sardis today. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful, strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember therefore how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who comes overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. For I will confess his name before my father and before his angels, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So we see there. Jesus, analysis of each church, each believer, and his diagnosis and his solution. So if you go to verse 2 and 3, he gives the solution. And the first thing he says, be watchful, which basically means... Wake up. Arudati, wake up. I know you woke up, but I know you woke up late. Okay? It's holidays. It's excused. Okay. Basically, it means realize what is happening. This is always the first step. Okay? Wake up to reality what is happening. Wake up. Wake up. Okay? Like if you realized... The Biden administration changed everything yesterday and said they will build the wall. Okay. So what happened? They woke up to a reality. 
reality not the illegal immigrants were swarming through the border but elections are coming and that is the number one issue now so suddenly they woke up woke up to your reality that's the first thing before you can do anything because as long as we are asleep we can do nothing except dream good or bad nightmares or good dreams okay when you are asleep you are not able to do anything so if change has to come first we have to wake up to our reality acknowledge that there is a crisis this church does not realize there is a crisis it's not even aware of it okay you're not aware of it now usually people when they do their what they call the medicals every year no and it looks like they take it for granted okay and then one day when they take the report or if they have some knowledge they read the report or show it to the doctor they wake up it's a wake up call okay and the doctor will say look you know could you did it now change your lifestyle otherwise these are what is going to happen that's exactly what jesus is doing there is a medicals for the church called sardis and there is a wake up call the wake up call is that you have a reputation that you are healthy but you are sick you are actually sick here he uses a much more difficult word he says you are dead you have a reputation that you are alive but you are actually dead and he says if you want to come back if there is restoration with god there is always restoration he's the god of revival he's the god of restoration he's the god who equips us so the first thing he says is wake up acknowledge acknowledge that there is a issue there is a problem now it can be an individual's life in his walk with god a family that is a marriage that is going through a crisis a family that is going through a crisis or a church that is going through a whatever but he says first you have to wake up you cannot brush it all under the carpet and expect things to be the same and second thing he says is strengthen what still remain okay so he says first taken after that taken honest evaluation okay what is that still remains what is that still remains start there start there what is that still remains in your walk with god what is that still remains if you have been listening to the word and studying the word of our own you will see uh, walk with god a consistent life with god there are many things that are needed and we may have forgotten some things left some things but there may be still some things that remain no you may have a very rudimentary or prefunctionary prayer life at least you pray leaves to pray or you may just out of routine read your word and nothing else is there he says at least these two are there now strengthen that strengthen that okay strengthen that okay strengthen these two things okay whatever each one okay so god is saying don't let that die that is where you begin from that is where you begin from like he was telling the church in ephesus go back remember how it was in the beginning how it was in the beginning so we need these are not these are not uh, this is not bible study god doesn't give us a bible study he teaches life okay so he says and he says strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die one whole side of you part of it is dead and the remaining things are about to die 
So first don't do with the dead. Leave that alone. First, don't start there. Go to that which is remaining and strengthen thing. Because he says, the reason is this. The word perfect there actually means maturity. The thing is that you have not become mature. And Paul will talk about that in the letter to Corinthians. Leaving the childish things behind. Okay, There are a lot of things that is common between a child and an adult. So many things which are common. But the way you do it is different. The child does it as we call it childish because it doesn't have the maturity. It doesn't have the maturity. What shows you are mature is the way you do the same things. Like if, let us say, one little child is two little 10-year-olds are sitting over here. They have to go to school. But because they are children, they may take one hour to eat their breakfast. So what does the parents do? The parents tries to change the breakfast around where they can eat it fast because they are a child. But imagine you are now 30 years old and you are working in a company and you are still the same. Now you are just using an example. You take one hour to eat breakfast and every day you are late for work. You'll soon lose your job. Nobody's going to accept that kind of behavior when you're an adult because you know what? You need to put away childish things and grow up. That's what he means over here. He says, you know what? You have all the outward trappings of a church, but you're very immature. You're a very immature church. And because of that, so many things have died have died. And there are few things that remain. So he says strengthen. And he says the reason is that you did not grow into maturity. If you go to Hebrews chapter 6 words 1 and 2 1 and 2. This is exactly what Paul is talking about if you want to use an illustration. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, basic fundamentals of faith, let us go on to perfection. Okay? Honestly, if you look at, it's not our my business, but I'm telling you, if you look at so many of the mega churches, and if you look into their teaching, Look into their teaching. They are just still years later feeding their congregation milk. Milk. Okay, just if you listen to their teachings. One, it will be very short because they cannot handle more than that. You cannot give heavy food to a child. The child cannot tolerate. system cannot handle it. So it is always like milk they give. If you look at their worship, the music is fantastic, setting is all like the world, everything and all. But even if you look at their choice of songs, it is all connected to emotions and not to the depth and the truth of God's word, which they cannot digest. So if you look at them, what happens is that they have a huge reputation. In cities, they have huge reputation. The reputation is always connected with size. They have a great reputation. But the fact is that the church, in the way it runs, it's very, very image. I have always used to hear people saying, you know, older people, not even young people, coming to, when they come to church and... Uh, they will say, why don't you come? I asked them. I've asked a few people. They said, no, your church is like a degree college. Like a degree college. Now the problem is, didn't you do your degree to get your job? That's 
why you have a job, right? But you don't think you need a degree in God's kingdom to reach maturity. No, it is too much. It is too much. We cannot, we cannot understand. It is like degree. How long will you say that? How long will you say that in the kingdom of God? That's exactly what God is talking about. Say, so He says, leaving that, let us go on to what? Perfection. Perfection. So first you need to be very strong on the fundamental elementary principle, the six fundamentals that I give on, and then move on to perfection. And that's what he's kind of telling, uh, implication to the church in Sardis is that you have not moved, you are still at the same level, you haven't grown. And therefore he says, okay, if you go back to 3, 2 and 3, he says, Revelation 3, yeah. He says, okay, and come to verse 3, remember, the third thing he says is, remember, if the first is to wake up and the second is to strengthen what remains and start from there, the third is to remember, okay? It is always good to remember what it was like before when we first met God how we received and how we heard. Can you know? Whenever we go through situations, whenever we talk to people who are going through, let us say, a relationship crisis, whether it was in a marriage or a home or an office, we ask them this question, was it always like this? And they will say, no, it wasn't. It wasn't like that. How was your relationship with your employer in the beginning? It was very good. He liked me, appreciated my work. It was never like that. Now it is really bad. Or in a relationship, husband, wife, or parents, children. Was it always like that? And usually the answer is, it was not. So God says, do you remember how it was in the beginning? Do you remember? Okay, because why it is so important is that remember is an important thing because the next two steps is only connected. If you cannot remember, then you cannot repent and you cannot obey. Do the things you cannot. So remembrance is very, very important. You take remember out, the next two things won't follow. Okay, next thing won't, won't follow. So God says, remember therefore how you heard, how you received and how you heard and hold fast, hang on to it, go back there, hang on to it and repent. Because to repent, to change, you have to change to something. You cannot be, repentant is not a random word. What am I repenting from? The question is, and what am I repenting to? Okay, but for that you need to remember. You need to remember. That's where it comes. And then comes the warning. On the other hand, if you do not heed my warning, that is to wake up, to watch, what will happen? I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. He says, you know what, I will come upon you suddenly and unexpectedly. Now we will come to one of the most controversial verses. Okay, we'll come to that soon. Okay, verse 4 and 5. I have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk me it in white, for they are worthy. 
Okay. Now, Jesus, he who overcomes shall be, uh, we looked at four actually, we look at four and five together. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. Now, he is contrasting, Jesus is contrasting the white garments with the soiled garments in the previous verse. We had seen on Monday, how do we soil our garments? Three possibilities. One is worldliness. The other is sin. The third is legalism. Okay, so he says, I have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. That word worthy is a very scared verse. When we were saved because we were unworthy, salvation is a gift. But to walk with God, we need to be worthy. Okay, walk with God, we need to be worthy. Be very careful about this, children. The thing is that we call it the the who and the how of salvation. When it comes to who, it's very broad. Whoever. Whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. Whoever wants to be my disciple, the who is very broad, anybody. But the how of discipleship is not easy. It says you should deny yourself, should pick up your cross daily and follow me. Okay, that is how we become worthy. So Jesus God is talking about, you can never be worthy to be saved. Only the unworthy will be saved. But do not ever think that you can walk with God. None of us can walk with God unless we obey Him and He finds us worthy to walk with Him. And that's what He's saying that. You have a few names. What is that? Those who have not defiled themselves. He says, you know, they shall walk with me. How will they walk with me? They shall walk me with me in white. For they are worthy. And he who overcomes, he says, remember, you have to endure till the end. Till the end. That is overcoming. He who overcomes, now you're talking about, shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. If you go to first. Isis or not first, Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. Okay. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now here both snow and wool is white. Okay, so this is first we need to understand is when we come to Jesus Christ, we receive a righteousness that is of God and God alone. And that is imputed to us as righteousness. Okay, righteousness. But then, post that, okay, there is a walk. This is what we need to understand. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 7. Okay, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. Now, this is different. 
This is not imputed righteousness. This is not imputed righteousness. You know why God is righteous? Because of how, how he does things. His is not an imputed righteousness. Okay? He is righteous. He's, 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 he has an imputed righteous in the sense that he is righteous. But everything he does, he does righteously. Now we are talking about the second one. With Sardis, God is talking about the second one. You have an imputed righteousness. Okay, you had when you received, but now you have soiled your garments. By not practicing righteousness, not walking in righteousness. So this is what he says, little children, let no one deceive you. No one deceive you. Okay, I am saved. I have the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All that is true, he says. Now he says, now learn to walk in righteousness. Learn to practice righteousness. That's what. And he says there was a few faithful remnant in Sardis who had continued their walk with Christ and had practiced righteousness. And he says, now the promise to them is this. If you overcome, you shall be clothed in white garments. That's what he will quite. What is he talking about? Talking about Revelation 19 and verse 8. 19 and verse 8, which is attributed to the bride. To her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So he says, over there, when you reach heaven, there will be two types of people, the saved and the sanctified. The saved are the ones who only believed in Jesus for their salvation and imputed upon them the righteousness of Christ. And among them there is a group who practiced righteousness, but the Bible says the obedience that comes by faith. The obedience that comes by faith. And that's what God is talking about. He says they will be part of the bride. Now of course comes the most controversial verse, one of the most controversial verses in the seven letters Jesus writes. Okay, it's a very controversial topic, really controversial topic, and I will deal with it, but I will leave it to each one who hears. That is, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. That one little phrase there, I will not blot out his name from the book of life. Because the question is, can one lose his or her salvation? It's a question. Blot out, I shall, I will not blot out. Let's use, look at two places where that same construction is there. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19 and Colossians 2.14. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Repent and be regenerated by the Holy Spirit. What does God do? He blots out, removes all your sins away. Blots out. Colossians 2.14 Having wiped out the same thing, having blotted out or wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So we know what Jesus is talking about. Cancelling, removing, wiping out, 
blotting out our sins, what the law demands. Okay? Now the issue is not with that. The issue is with that. The name in the book of life. Okay? 3, 5. We'll go there. I will not blot out what? His name from the book of life. Now, John in the book of Revelation itself refers to the book of life six times. We have to look at each one of these. The first one is of course three, five. The second one is in thirteen, eight. Next is seventeen, eight. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. They will worship the Antichrist. It's getting closer and closer. 17.8 The beast that you saw was and is not will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life, from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. This is the third reference. The fourth reference is found in in uh, Revelation 20, the fourth and the fifth. Revelation 20 verse 12 and then verse 15. When the books are opened, everybody is standing before the throne room, the judgment seat of Christ. I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. Books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And verse 15. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now we come to the last one, which is Revelation 21, 27. 21, 27. But there shall be no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now please understand what actually happens. One of the things which we will always understand is that the doctrine which we believe in will always influence your interpretation of scripture. Okay. We will ask, why are there so many denominations? Most denominations you will see will agree on most things in the Bible. But they will disagree on certain parts. And that will create a denomination. Okay. Like if you take off, take off the, 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 the large Protestant denomination called the Baptists. The Baptists believe that there is only one baptism. When you are saved and you get baptized, you discern that they focus. You just got baptized three days back. Remember, focus. Okay? You receive the baptism, the Holy Spirit comes in. They don't believe in a subsequent experience. They don't believe. So what happens is, because that is the doctrine they have believed, Whenever it comes to this Holy Spirit gifts, speaking in tongues and all, they interpret it from that doctrine. Okay. So we need to understand, like, like, you know, if you understand why, why 
in the Catholic Church, Mary has such a high position. The whole reason why Mary has a high position is that they are not able to reconcile the fact about how can Jesus be born sinless unless the mother who carried him also was sinless. Isn't her sin imputed to him? That is the basic issue. Is the basic issue. Therefore, you need to understand, therefore, because they don't understand iniquity is traced theologically by God through the Father. It is not through the Mother. It is through the Father. That is why He is born of the Spirit. Otherwise, we also will be without sin. How are we, con- how are we considered without sin when we are born again? Because we are born of God's Spirit. So the new man is untainted by sin because it is God's Spirit who gives birth. So because they could not reconcile this thing, they had to make Mary also without sin. That is how she becomes co-redeemer. You need to understand. This same Catholic fallacy, which is a wrong doctrine, the Muslims have taken it into their Quran. So in the Quran, not only is Mary a virgin, she is also without sin. She is also without sin because Quran came almost 1400 years, years after all this. So much of the things which Muhammad picked up also was got to do with Catholicism. But he hated the idolatry in Catholicism, so he was against. Okay, so you need to realize there is nothing actually original in, in, in Islam. If you read the Quran carefully, you will see much of it is a hashmash of the Old Covenant, the New Testament and Catholic practices. It's a mix-up of all this. Because all these names are there. You need to remember Jesus is mentioned very clearly in the Quran. Mary is mentioned. So you will see that the whole issue here, the point here is that whatever doctrine you believe, whether wrong or right, will ultimately influence your interpretation of scripture. So if you believe once saved, always saved, then the problem becomes how do you interpret Revelation 3.5? Because the issue is there, Revelation 3.5. The issue is that I will blot. The Bible says, I will not blot out his name from the book of life. How do you interpret this? If you are once saved, and so there are only two ways they run, they go around this. Either they will say that you were never actually ever saved. That is how they all, like John MacArthur and all, in all their teaching, they will say no. If a person falls away from the faith, he was never in the faith in the first place. Paul Washer, all these big names, they're good people, godly people, but when it comes to these matters, they will say, once saved, always saved. So if somebody falls away after even after so many years, they were not saved in the first place. Remember your doctrine will influence your interpretation. Because this is the most controversial verse in the book of Revelation, especially in the seven letters. How do you read it? Okay. The second way others in the same group is try to interpret Okay, that's why I said I'm not making any didactic interpretation. So here I will leave it to you. Read scripture and think, what is that you believe? Okay, so the second interpretation of a group is that there are two books of life. One is the book of life where everyone born into this, into this world, his names are written. 
The second is everyone who is born again is written in the Lamb's book of life. If you remember the six references we looked, two places it is called the Lamb's book of life. So they say there are two books. One is the book of life. Everybody is in it. It's like the government census registry. The Department of Birth and Deaths over there, okay, Birth and Death over there. So you will see the birth is there when you are born and the, the record reaches them, your name is entered over there. Okay, and that name will go give you a birth certificate which includes you in so many of the government things including voting and everything. Then one day you die. When you die, your name is entered over there, it is written deceased. After that, your name is taken out of every government scheme. You cannot vote unless you are in America where dead people vote. Okay. Okay. That's how elections are won because dead people will be resurrected, they vote and they go back into their graves. Okay. So, but you need to understand. So this is the other application. Okay. Where your name is taken out because you are dead. So they're coming, they come up with this by saying that it's, it sounds like a very, very powerful argument. Sounds a very powerful argument because they say there are two books. One is the book of life. Everybody's name is there. The second is the Lamb's book of life. Okay. So Jesus hearing is saying that, you know what? I will not blot his name from the book of life. Basically interpretation is that you will not die suddenly. You will not die out of place, out of time. You will live the, the time I have allotted for you to finish your task on earth. Okay. That is how they interpret. Like I say, it's a very powerful, appeals to your emotions, appeals to your feelings. But let us go to that. Leave feelings aside. Look at logic also. Okay, let's look at the other places where this is written. Three places it is written. Exodus 32, 32. Remember Moses saying this. Okay, when God told him out, no, move out, I'm going to destroy all these people. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. Okay? This is Moses' argument before God. Either you forgive them, and I'm good, I will love. But if you don't forgive them, then take, write my name out. So here also they will come and say, Moses is not talking about salvation. He says, I don't want to love anymore. If you want to kill me, kill me with them. Kill them, then kill me with them. That's what he's saying. You want to kill them, then kill me too. Don't keep me alive. Because he said, I will destroy them and I will make you into a great nation. He says, no. No. If you're going to kill them, kill me too. Okay? Understand arguments coming from. Come to Daniel 12 and verse 1. Then Philippians 4.3. At that time, Michael shall stand up. The great prince who stands Watch over the sons of your people and there shall be a time of trouble such as it never was since there was a nation. Even to that time, at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. This is the second place where it talks about people's names. Okay. So then the third is Philippians 4.3. I 
urge you also true companion help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life now if you look at here the implication is the lamb's book of life but we'll have to come back and see are there two books or there is only one book okay so implication to sardis if you go by the first theory that there are two books is that he will take you out of the land of the living okay get your act right or i will come and take you cut your life short the principle being now the issue is here the principle which why what they say the principle is this we did not become christians by good works therefore we cannot become non christians by bad works so if salvation is a gift then how can you lose your salvation in the first place but we are forgetting the autonomy of free will where you can reject a gift you can reject a gift because they are what is not being considered over here is a free will of man we are only looking at the sovereign will of god that saves man we are not looking at the free will of man that receives a gift can be given it has to be received so we are in this logic which they talk about they are not including the free will of man to walk away now if you now we'll say then then the question is is that possible in heaven too the answer why is it impossible in heaven to lose your salvation post rapture the reason is one there is no flesh two there is no presence of sin three there is no tempter so the possibility of sin does not exist possibility of sin sin doesn't exist okay because if you have no flesh then there is no temptation there is no tempter and there is no presence of sin at all so god is going to go what we call is going to be a kind of a controlled kind of environment where people are not going to sin anymore penalty is over now we are fighting the power of sin and the third stage is where there is no presence of sin at all so again the question comes if you go to 1 john chapter 5 16 and 17 again people say this is the implication if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death there is a sin leading to death i do not say that he should pray about it all unrighteousness is sin and there is a sin not leading to death so god's talking about all sins are not the same here they are talking about all sins are not the same there are certain sins which can spread like gangrene gangrene and destroy a church so what will god do god would prefer to take that person out we say in english one rotten apple spoils the basket so there is 100 apples and one apple rotten what do you do take the rotten one out you can preserve the other 99 okay now this is not talking about salvation this is talking about preservation okay so here also we are talking about the book of life as in terms of life on earth 
life on earth. Like I said, this is a very controversial topic because it can divide Christians into two groups. So because it's a very controversial topic, I will say study it, meditate on it, fearfully and reverentially, as it deals with eternal life and eternal security. Now when it comes to eternal security, let us look at a few verses. John 5 and verse 24, then go to chapter 6. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him, who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Okay, if you go to chapter 6 and read from verse 35 to 37, 39. Chapter 6, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. That word never. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. So this is where the concept about eternal security comes in. Now if you go to chapter 10 and read verse 28 and 29, then we go to Romans 8. I will give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So they are very comforting, very, very assuring verses about our security in the hands of God. Now, if you read into each of these things, okay, this is always talking about a third party intervention. Okay, that is me. And God. So God is saying, you have committed your life into me. You don't have to worry. No third party can come and pull you out of my hands. This is not, if you read it closely, this is not talking about you leaving. Nowhere does it say, you can never jump out of my hands. You can never pull yourself out of my hands. So that that is not being implied in any of these verses. In each of these verses, what is being talked about? A third party getting involved. Another party getting involved where he can take you out of God, out of your salvation. It doesn't necessarily imply, because in the case of the stories of like the parables Jesus used, especially the three parables that come one after another in the first parable, it was a sheep, it was not a goat. It was not a goat, it was a sheep. One sheep got lost, he found it and brought it back. In the second parable, it was a coin. It was lost and found. In the third case, it was a son. It was a son. And God says he was dead. And in the third case, you will notice in the third case, voluntarily out of his own volition, the son leaves the father's home and the father doesn't stop him. And he has to come back on his own and the father receives him, doesn't reject him. So this is why we have to be very, very careful when we study scripture because when we assure people's security, it should not be false. It should be real. It should be true. It should be true. 
True security, we offer it to them. So because this is one of, this is probably one of the most important questions. Okay, the Bible in, after writing, uh, what you say, around 28 chapters to, to the church in Corinth, the final question is in 2 Corinthians 13, 5 is, examine whether you are in the faith. Alright? Examine whether yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not know yourself that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. So we saw on Sunday two important, there are two different questions. One, when it comes to salvation, the most important question is your faith genuine. When it comes to reward, the most important question is not your faith, is your love genuine. Love genuine. Because that is the, that is a, the basic criteria on which everything is going to be judged. Before he looks at any work, however great it may be, he will always check first, why did you do it? Why did you do it? So these are two different aspects. So the most important aspect now is, am I really saved? Examine yourself as whether you are saved. So there are verses. So whenever, whatever, whichever you choose to believe, Believe. Okay. If you go to back to Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5, he puts that emphasis on it. He says, you know what? I will not blot out his name from the book of life. He who overcomes. Now use your logic. Use your logic. He who overcomes. Okay, he's talking to the overcomer. He who overcomes. Which book are you talking about? The book where everybody's name is written? Or the other name is written? Okay. Because anyway, everybody will die. One day. It is appointed unto every man to die once. The two sides of this logic, you have to be very careful. Don't jump into, I'm not jumping into any conclusions. Either he's telling them, the ones who are consistently walking with me, practicing righteousness, walking in love, you will never have an untimely death. You will not drop dead. You will finish your task. You will finish your task. You will know when you are going to die and you will go peacefully from planet Earth. Either he's talking that. Okay. That's what I said. I leave it to, I leave it to each one to interpret it whichever way your, your logic goes through. Is God talking about, talking about? But the problem is here. If you go to, uh, Revelation 20 and verse 15. Let's read 12 first. Let's read 12 first. Okay. I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. Books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which are written in the books. In verse 15. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is definitely the Lamb's book of life. Can't be the other one. Right? It cannot be the other one. So the simple question asked is because all of them, every one of them, most of them, I can't say everyone, but most of them say Revelation chapter 20 is 
the judgment of the unsaved, right? You look at the huge group will say, this has got nothing to do with believers. This is post-second resurrection. Everybody is standing over there. Okay. The simple question is, if this is only the judgment of the unsaved, then definitely their names are not there in the Lamb's Book of Life. Again, a problem comes over there. Then why do you have to have the book of life? Because you know their name is not in the book of life. And this book of life cannot be the other book of life because everybody's name is in that anyway. Everybody born from Adam on, what's everybody? So the question is, is there a set of believers who believed in Jesus Christ who will be part of the second resurrection because they had no works? Their works were all eaten away by the fire who will stand before God. And remember, the second death is the fire. Second death applies to where either you lose your eternity or your works are not counted in eternity. So different ways you can read it. Like I said, what you believe ultimately, ultimately, uh, the way you interpret whatever. Okay, I mean, honestly, this is where the issue comes in because if you look at why does the devil gossip or slander? The purpose of gossip and slander, gossip and slander has a purpose. In the devil's kingdom, it has a purpose because you know what? Once you gossip or slander about somebody, it immediately starts changing the way you look at that person. Look at that person. And the same way is about doctrine. The doctrine you believe is ultimately the way you will interpret scripture. Interpret scripture. That is why the church in the beginning, that is why Jesus is teaching doctrine to his disciples. How to, in the what did God mean by what he said. And this is one of the most controversial subjects in the kingdom of God. Once saved, always saved. Or... Can you lose your salvation? Can you lose your salvation? Okay, that is the whole thing. Because people want that security. I understand you want that security. And then those people who just leave and walk away, the simple question asked is, where they were saved once? Like the interpretation is that Judas was always a son of perdition. He never ever believed. They say he was a son of perdition. He was, and he never believed. Okay, Jesus knew it all the while, but he just chose him because he was to be the son of perdition. So these things come up, and these are very serious issues. Very, very serious issues. If you go back to Revelation chapter three and verse five, the simple thing I can tell you is that. So what should I do? What should I believe? I would say what you need to believe is just continue to walk with God and make your election and your salvation sure. Okay? The proof of life is growth. As simple as that. The proof of life is 
growth. So we saw that in Second Peter, remember? Add these seven things. And if you do these things consistently and you abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful. Yes. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. God doesn't give any very clear answer, supposedly. But he says, he says, God says, I know who my children are. The Bible says, God knows whose is his. And everyone who names the name of Christ, let him depart from iniquity. God knows who his children are. But sometimes the children worry whether I am who their father, is he our father or not. He says, I have no confusion. I know all my children. But I'm not going to tell you, you are my child, you are my child, you are my child, you are my child. Then you will become very casual about who your father is. So he says, work out your salvation. Work out your, walk the walk. Walk the walk. Practice righteousness. Okay? So there is a way we can make ourselves sure. And the proof is this. You know what is the proof is? Keep growing. Keep growing. Keep moving. Okay? Keep moving. So then, if you come back to that, last two verses, okay? I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but... I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Okay? okay? He's saying, no, I'm telling you, before the world, you have a false name. But if you believe what I'm telling you, repent and change your lifestyle, you will have a true name. I will confess your name before the father. From a false reputation, to a true reputation in eternity, I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Now if you go to Luke chapter 9 and verse 26, it's important to bring that in here, which Jesus himself says. For I say to you that, no, 9, 9, not 19, 9, 26. 9, 26. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory, in his fathers and of the holy angels. He says something over there. Here, to the church in Sardis, he's saying that if you do what I tell you, I will not be ashamed of you. I will confess your name to my father and to the angels. On the other hand, so the thing is that, how do we, remember, these two are the fundamental major issues with people. And as the world is going further and further down the road, it gets stronger and stronger. One is fear. The other is shame. Fear and shame. A lot of believers are afraid to confess Jesus. Confess Jesus. And they are ashamed to confess Jesus because unlike any other God, our God hangs naked on a cross. He looks like a weak, very despicable figure. Okay, despicable figure. So they are either afraid or they are ashamed. Ashamed. And then if you go to each of these cultures, so many things happen. So many things happen. Okay, so shame is a factor. Shame is a factor. Okay, and it, it kind of gives you the clue what probably happened in the church in Sardis. Okay. Little by little. Because you know what? A lot of people, to be, to be part of the culture you are living in, culture you are living in, you compromise. 
compromise. Okay, the culture you are living in, okay, in everything. I mean, some place, I mean, especially like places like Tamil Nadu and all, you go, you can make out the Christian just like that. They are not ashamed. They have no jewelry. The way they are dressed, the way they talk, the way they walk, they are not ashamed at all. And most of them are first generation Christians. They are not ashamed. You can make them out anywhere. You know, that's a Christian, that's a Christian, that's a Christian, that's a Christian. You can make out. But, those who do not want to be that will compromise. They will dress like the world. They will talk like the world. They do all the things that are similar to the world because either there is a fear of being ostracized or the shame of being identified as, you know, especially, you know, with the young, the peer pressure is incredible. And probably that is what happened to the church in Sardis. Church and Sardis, they quietly assimilated with the culture because either they were afraid or they were ashamed. And they started adopting. If you go back to Kerala, you will see, if you go to a temple in Kerala, you will see there is what we call the flag post, Hindu temple flag post. In Malayalam, it's called Kodi Mara. Mara means tree and Kodi means flag. It is there, made of brass over there. And that is where the deity's flag is, this thing, okay? Then you have the lamb, which is his and all these things. And if you go to Kerala and you will see so many churches which has exactly the same things. They have the Kodimaram, the flag, and they have the same lamb which is littered and all because you are trying to become uh, what you call, trying to appease the culture. Appease the culture. You are afraid to stand out and be different. You are ashamed to identify who you are in Christ Jesus. And one of the first things Daniel does is that he's not ashamed, he's a Jew. And if you look at one thing that is about Joseph, he was not ashamed to be known as a Hebrew. From the beginning till the end of his life, he identifies as a Hebrew. The one who crossed the river. Hebrew means the one who crossed the river. There's no going back. We are people who left the world. There is no going back. And this seems to be the clue. And that is why the church loses its power. The church loses its power. The church loses its power. It's because the church has become carnal, has become worldly. So this is what Jesus is talking about. He says, you know, there are a few of you who haven't gone in the ways of the world in Sardis. He says, you haven't soiled your garments. You see, your garments is your outward form. Okay, no. Because you will say, don't judge me by my clothes. Okay. But you need, you need to realize only God sees the heart. Man doesn't see the heart. Man looks at the outside. And that's why Samuel got uh, confused by the sons of Jesse. Because outwardly they all looked as if they were the set apart ones. Okay. So the thing is that we say in English, if you walk like a duck, you talk like a duck, you quack like a duck, then you must be a duck. Right? Okay, so if you dress like the world, talk like the world, watch the same movies as the world, listen to the same songs as the world, read the same books as the world, then you must not be a Christian. You must not be a Christian. You must be of the world. Okay? And Jesus said, you are not of the world. I've sent you into the world, but you are not of the world. And the Sardis became part of the world because they were 
ashamed to be identified with Christ. Now Christ is saying, yet there are a few in your church who have not become, they have not defiled their garments, they have not become carnal, they have not become worldly. He says about them, I will confess their name. I will not be ashamed of them. At the time of my father and the angels, I will say this one, this one, this one, this one, this one was not ashamed of me during their time on earth and I will not be ashamed of them. And then coming to the final verse 6, he's again repeating it. Because now, when it comes to sadness, Christ has said something very, very powerful to the churches of all time. It's a very important message that talks about not having a false reputation, or having a true reputation. So he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Let him hear. It's an imperative. It's a command. Because what happens is so many churches, even Christians, part of the church, accommodate to the culture. And they do not want to appear. And we look at the last verse as to what happens when it happens. We were looking at it yesterday in the Nepali church. Genesis 19 verses 12 to 14. This is what happens. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the <coughs> Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and said, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. This is the issue. This is the issue. The issue is this. Lot also was a believer. Abraham was also a believer. But the problem was, Lot was such a compromised believer that when he talked about the day of judgment, nobody believed. Because the question is, if you believe in what you are talking, then how come you are in our midst? How come you are in our midst? This is what separation does. We are not being unfriendly. We are not being unfriendly. We are not being a Pharisee. We are friendly. We help them. But we make it always very, very clear. Without words, we make it very clear. We are not one of them. And if they ask them the reason, we will say, we are waiting for a day. And it is coming. The day of judgment. The day of judgment is joy for us who believe in Christ. And a day of a terrible terror for those who haven't. So what is the proof? The proof is me. I am the proof. I am the proof. God says a church that lives like that is the proof. Okay. When they see the way you live, you are the evidence. You are the evidence. But if you are going to be just like them, you are actually blinding them. You are not a witness. You are not a witness. That's what happened to Lot. Lot was not a witness of the impending judgment because he himself did not prepare for it. He himself did not know. The only reason he was pulled out is because Abraham interceded. Yesterday we saw, now again I will repeat it. You don't understand Nepali, but if you understand the message, what is the purpose of every message? 
What's the purpose of every message to a believer? The whole thing is that, are you becoming an intercessor? That is the whole thing. Otherwise the message has lost its, its power. The primary purpose of a message, like I said, God has called very few people to teach because it causes confusion. Too many teachers cause confusion. If you, if you learn to work hard and correctly divide the word of God, that is why strict judgment is given to the teachers. So he says, many of you should not be teachers of the word. But everyone is called to intercession. Intercession is not prayer. Prayer is when we pray for our supplications, our reads. Intercession is when you stand in the gap for somebody else. And in both in Isaiah and through Ezekiel, God said, I looked for one man. And because I did not find one man, my wrath has to come. Wrath has to come. Okay? After living in this city for so many years, Lot could not impact ten people. Ten people. Here, the Bible says in verse 14, okay, if you look at it, spoke to his sons-in-law who had married his daughters. Now, is it talking about his two daughters? No. Cannot be. Let us look at it, because it's a very powerful scripture of actual judgment. If you go to Genesis chapter 19, okay, Genesis chapter 19, because there were two daughters who were with him in the house. Right? Chapter 19. Verse 8. Look at 19, verse 8. See, I have two daughters who have not known a... So he has two other daughters who are not married. Two daughters who are married. He has two daughters who are not married. He has two daughters who are married. Okay? So that, see, Abraham is also thinking logically. My nephew has four daughters. Four daughters. Two are married. Two are probably going to be married. They will be eight. Lot and his wife, ten. There are ten righteous. He did not even impact his own household. Why do parents not impact their own household simply because they are worldly? They are worldly. The children don't believe what they say. Because deep inside they are thinking, if you believe what you are telling me, you wouldn't live like this. You love the world as much as I love. Only thing, your tastes are different. But there is no difference in you and me. You like the very things I like. Only thing our tastes are different. That's why children don't believe. This is the danger what God is telling to us in this in the book in, in Sardis. Sardis has lost. They have a reputation. They all go to church. They all but he says, if you look at it, you have a name that you are alive, but actually you are dead. You are dead because there's no difference between you. And this is what you need to look at. The the prime example of this is Genesis 19. And Lot is called a righteous man. But he had no impact on his family at all because he loved the world. All God could do was pull him and his wife and his two, two daughters out. And you will realize the wife looked back and she died. The daughters went another road. One man, he never, honestly, if you look at Genesis 19, Lot impacted nobody's life. 
know what? He could only save himself. Save himself. And probably he remained that like that because of Abraham's intercession. Every time Abraham went to offer a sacrifice to pray, he would say, Lord, remember my nephew. Remember my nephew. Have mercy on him. Have mercy on him. Have mercy. Once he believed, he has seen me. He walked with me. Lord, Lord, Lord. That is why it is written, right? Genesis nineteen twenty-three. I'm right, twenty-three. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go to 24 or 25. Go to the next verse. It is written over there. The Lord remembers. And it came to pass when the Lord destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow. When he overthrew, he remembered Abraham. It had nothing to do with Lot. He remembered Abraham and he brought him out, Lot out. Okay, so please remember, these are very serious, serious, because we are not just doing Bible study. <laughs> we are looking at the implications of the life we live, the lifestyle we choose to live while we are on earth. Does our life, can anybody say we are a Christian without us opening our mouth? Can they say the way we live, the way we dress, the way we talk, the way we talk to others, the way we do things, is there anything different? Are we consistent in it? Or are we just like the world around us? That was lot. That was lot. That was sadness. But even in Sardis, God said there were a few who did not soil their garments. Okay, garments are an outer form. So we shall go to Peter today and we shall pray. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea a great high priest whose name is love whoever leaves and pleads for me my name is graven on his hands my name is written on his heart i know that while in heaven he stands no tongue can beat me thence depart. No tongue can beat me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, of what I look and see him there. Made an end of all my sin Because the sinless Savior died My sinful soul is counted free For God the justice satisfied To look on Him and pardon me To look on Him and pardon me
there the reason lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace, one in Himself I cannot die. My soul is purchased by His blood. My life is healed with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God. One hand himself I cannot die. My soul is purchased by His blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God. Father, this morning we come to you, Lord. We thank you, Father. We just thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for your warnings in the Bible. These are the warnings which are directly spoken by you, Lord, Jesus, to the churches through your Holy Spirit. You are speaking to each one of us, Lord. This morning we come, Lord. We commit ourselves into thy hands, O Lord. We need more power. We need more love that we can be true witnesses, Lord, of not of the world, but of Christ. In a perishing world, in a dark, dark world, in a distressed and a depressed world, Lord, that your light might shine upon us, O Lord. Authentic lives, Lord. Authentic, true lives. Lives that are true to Christ, to His Spirit and to His Word, O Lord. Help us, Lord. Because we do not want others to perish because of us. Others to compromise because of the choices we have made. Our children to fail because we love the world. Because you said, to those who are being saved, we are the aroma of life. But to those who are not, we are the aroma of death. But Lord, what if we have no aroma? Neither to the saved or the perishing. We smell of nothing. Because we are so compromised. Sardis was so compromised. They convicted nobody. Help us not to be that kind of a believer, Lord. A lot kind of a believer. Oh, Father, help us. Help us. All these things were written as examples to us upon whom the end of ages has come. Help us not to be so much caught with the temporal that we lose sight of the eternal because you could come suddenly, unexpectedly, like that thief in the night. Jesus, help us. Lord was totally unprepared. Not only lost everything he worked for, he lost his family too. Help us, I pray. Help us, Jesus, help us. 
help us lord help us help us lord help us help us oh father help us thank you lord let there be a quickening let there be a awakening lord the answer to it first is awake yes yes see your true reality acknowledge understand yes see help us to awake help us to awake help us to awake yes touch lord touch us touch us today father individually Help us, Father. Touch us, Lord. Touch oh, us. Oh, Father. Sixth day of the month of October right now. We stand here in your presence. Yes, Let yes, we do. Quickening or pricking in us, oh yes, Lord. Yes, my God. Yes. And this was about me. Yes. Not about anybody else. Yes, yes. God was speaking to me this morning. Yes, he was. He spoke to me, Lord. Touch us, Thank Lord. You, Touch us, Thank Lord. You. Thank Touch you. Us. Thank you, Lord. Commit everyone in the body of Christ. Yes, yes. We want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Archana. Thank you for that baby, Lord. Thank you. She stood there. Yes. In faith and you honored her faith. Yes. She's got a beautiful little boy. There's no issues, Lord. Though the mother went through week after week, eight rounds of chemo. No effect on the child because you were there. We just want to thank you for your miracle, Lord. Now in a couple of weeks the mother has to go for radiation. The same God who brought the baby through, we believe, will bring the mother yes, through, Lord. Yes, Lord. That the cancer will die from yes, the roots. Lord. Yes, Lord. Never to come again, oh Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank we you, just Jesus. thank you. Thank you, thank Lord. You, thank for you, all Lord. the little thank things you, and the big thank things you. you do. We just thank you, Lord. Thank you. Speak healing, Father, into the body of Christ. Yes, Lord. Evangeline Usher. Amen. Gurjit Sadbal Touch, touch Lord Touch them, touch them touch, touch, Thank We you, bind Lord. the spirit of infirmity In the name, name of, of Jesus. Jesus Yes, Lord. We speak healing, healing. We speak, mm-hmm. proclaim yes. your deliverance yes, In our bodies, yes, in we our do. lives yes, we The do. body for the Lord mm-hmm. And the Lord for the body of Father Speak Lord Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for touching Healing for the Lord Lord We believe the same for Keith Yes, Pastor said, yes, Lord, yes, hallelujah. Kid shall not die, but live and declare, declare the works of the Lord. Yes, Father. The very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead yes, dwells Lord. in him. And I pray will now quicken his mortal body, O oh Father. Quicken his mortal body. Touch, Lord. Touch, touch, Thank touch, Lord. Father. Touch. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Touch, Lord. Touch. Thank you, Jesus. Touch Thank it, Lord. Touch him. Yes, Touch yes, him. Strengthen yes, him, Lord. Strengthen hallelujah, his heart. Hallelujah, Let hallelujah, every block be removed in Jesus', Jesus. name, Lord. Thank you, Touch thank everyone. You. Those who have no affliction in the body but going through terrible trying times, strengthen their inner man, oh Lord. Him, Lord. Touch Ace. Touch Archie. MQ. Touch them. Brad. C. Touch them. Touch them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone. Peter's mother. Back in the hospital. Touch Lord. 
touch. Touch, touch, Speak touch. Them. Healing. Touch her. Those who are troubled in the body. Peter, Strength in their inner man, oh Lord. Strength in his spirit. Oh Father, to stand there, oh Father. Stand there in faith. That they experience the power and the strength and the might of God, oh Father, as they go through, Lord. As your word says, oh Lord. Even though we go through the valley of shadow, shadow of death, death we, will, we will fear no evil. Yes. Because you are with us. You are Lord and your staff. Comfort us. Comfort us. They strengthen us. They comfort us. Deliver each one out of all yes, their yes, troubles. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Trust them. Trust them. Trust them. Trust them. the babies one yes. month old today. Today, Lord. We just thank you. We brought thank that you. baby through, Lord. You brought thank the baby you. through. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank Father, you. Father, we just thank you. We thank praise you. We worship oh, we you. We glorify you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank yes, you, Lord. thank Hallelujah. you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank Jesus. You, Hallelujah. We just thank you. Thank we just you, Lord. praise you. We thank just you, worship you. Oh, we thank you. For all that you yes, do, Lord. Yes, Lord. For Hallelujah. you are working. Yes, when Lord. When we don't see it, when don't we feel it, our God yes, is Lord. always at working. work. Yes, you thank are at you. work. Thank you, Father. So the way maker. Today I pray you will make the way for many, Lord. Yes, Lord. Every will. closed door will be opened open in the in name, name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Every power of darkness yes, will crush yes, it in the name yes. of Jesus. Let there be blindness in the camp of the, the enemy, enemy, Lord. Yes, Lord. Your people need safe passage. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father. So many, Lord. There are shut doors, but you have the keys of David. The door that you open, no man can shut, Lord. And I pray, Lord. Open doors, open doors, you, open Lord. doors, oh Lord, thank open you, Lord. doors. Thank you, thank you that you promised to go thank with you. us and go before us. Thank Even you, today, you, go with your children, go before all of us, oh Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. So once again, we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. And we declare in your house, oh Lord. Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 Amen.